Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So let's, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, make sure you have your sermon notes and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you, God, in Judy's life, how you've been inviting her into uh, pruning to, for preparation for more fruit. And we thank you for all of our lives, what you're doing. You're in step um, working in all of our lives. And we pray that we would be in step with you. And tonight we ask for your help, God. We pray for everyone who's here and everyone who will be listening Lord, that you just give us ears to hear, give us hearts to understand, to rightly apply. Let things that are in us that are not of you, mindsets, arguments, strongholds, false beliefs be broken, perspectives be broken, filters and lenses be changed and replace it with truth, God. We just pray over all the marriages connected to this house. And we just pray, God, your peace upon them. That you would just, uh, your, your fire would ignite in them, God. And that you would make them strong. Make them an example. Make them life-giving. Let them be enjoyable and full of life. And Father, we just pray that you help us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read uh, just a few things for a minute. So look, I just want to start in verse 15 because it's all good. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, if you have your Bible, you can open up. If your app, open up. And if you need, if you want to look at a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back of the room back here in these baskets. You can just get up and go grab one and, and look at it if you want to or look on with your neighbor. So Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, see then that you walk... Um, circumspectly, which means carefully, not as fools, but as wise. By the way, has anybody ever walked foolishly in here? Yeah. Um, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Man, that's a highlight verse if there ever was one. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, which, which one of the words that that can be translated is a waste. It's literally just a waste to be drunk but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another. So now, now, now what it's saying is being filled with the Holy Spirit has action attached to it, overflow. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. If you have a Bible, you can write in under that, underline that. Giving thanks always for what? All things to God the Father in the name um, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's a key phrase where we're going to transition. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, also as Christ is the head of the church, and is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to... Uh, uh, to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as, and if, if you're a husband in the room, circle just as, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she uh, should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For, one, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, uh, of his flesh, and of his bones." For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined. That means be cleave, which is that member talked about attaching like glue, like cement to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Uh, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each 
one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her own husband. So there's a ton there that I would love to break down and talk about. The first, I'm just going to do a one, two, skip a few through it. Submitting one to another. When Paul is writing this, he's writing to a culture that was male-dominated. It was male dominated. There's a lot of male-dominated stuff that sometimes as you still, people still read scripture, there's still some of that lingering male domination that, that twist the thing of God. Um, because God's, God's will, when, he was, when his will is being revealed throughout different seasons and times in scripture, he's always dealing with a culture that's imperfect. So he's trying to correct things and deal with things. Um, and so, you know, people talk about like, the, the, the scriptures about slavery and stuff. Well, of, of course, the scriptures teach because you, you see it in a number of different places where we're, you know, enslaving somebody uh, is, is and, and slavery is wrong. That's not the heart of God. But what, what God was doing was really through scripture, releasing the realities of the kingdom into those situations to have a progressive deliverance and breakthrough of that and what he was saying is he was speaking to the present conditions that were happening at that time so he he told the, he he told the slaves if you're if you're a, a believer he told these slaves this is how you should you should do it he wasn't in, he wasn't uh, promoting slavery and so different times when when you got to understand that just as a, as a, a side note to understand that when we're talking about marriage and what Paul is saying here of submit one to another that is radical in Paul's day because normally when you talked about submission it's always it's always about the woman submitting to the man and that's why I think he started with that because the concept of submitting one to another every man in the culture would have been like wait a minute Wait a minute. I mean, there's, there's um, tons of abuses that would happen within marriage. And so what Paul is doing by revelation of the Holy Spirit is bringing the realities of what marriage looks like in our relationship with the Lord and invading that into a culture that's a whole lot more than a quarter inch off. And he's doing that, trying to, to penetrate it. So he says, submit one to another. See, we don't recognize that because our culture is not like their culture. But in their culture, for Paul to say this, it was a radical statement. And when he says, so then he starts with wives, submit to your own husbands. And, and most of the men in that day would be like, okay, Paul, you had me, you about went crazy there for a second, but now you're back on track. But then he switches back to the husbands and starts telling them that this thing is mutual submission. It's mutual submission. So for a husband and a wife, it's, it's mutual submission. So if Sarah was standing here and she's with grand, grandbabies tonight, watching grandbabies, if, if Sarah's standing right here, then me being a husband, Jesus has called me to be the leader. But as the leader, I'm an equal partner. I'm not better than her. I'm not, surely not smarter than her. But I am charged with leading my household. And, and so... My, my, I'm a servant leader as a husband. And as, the, as, and as a bride, as, as a wife, she is a servant follower. So it's my leadership, her fellowship within this partnership. This is a partnership. We are equals. It is a partnership. But in this partnership, just like a football team, you have a quarterback, you got a receiver. I don't know. Maybe if you're super talented, you could throw it and run out and catch it. I don't know. But the reality is you're a partnership. One can't do it without the other. And so marriage is a partnership and there are roles and responsibilities within that relationship. And I'm saying this because Paul was addressing these roles and responsibilities about relationship. And we have to address that if we're going to land and talk about sex. Because if we just come in and talk about sex, you can't talk about sex without talking about relationship. Because the problem with your sex life just saying if you know somebody's got a problem with your sex life is the relationship, not the sex. The sex stuff can get worked out if the relationship's right. And so what you have to understand is Paul's addressing marriage because remember, remember, and this blew my mind. It even feels weird saying it right now. It blew my mind that God created sex. I could have sworn based on the pornography that I was raised with that the devil created sex. 
could have swore that. And so when I got the revelation of like God created sex, I was like, what? Why? It doesn't make any sense. Because my, my viewpoint was, well, I thought Christians and, and God, that they wanted, you know, he's against sex. He's against all that, all that fun stuff and good stuff. Uh, but we talked about sex is, has a greater purpose than just pleasure. It's connecting you and stuff. So, so this thing about me being a husband, I'm a servant leader with a, in partnership with a servant follower who, who I can be correctable to, and we're in partnership in this thing. And, and so our partnership is underneath and submitted to his lordship. So I can never, I can never say, woman, submit to me. That's his job. I can never say, woman, submit to me. I'm the man. That's, she stands not before me. She stands before him. Now, he can say, he can say, honey, um, I'm kind of struggling, feeling like <laughs> you don't respect me or whatever. You can have a conversation about stuff, but it's never a dominant authority. Woman, you got to submit to me. That's what the Bible says. And, and vice versa. You, the woman can't come over here and, and, and have some kind of judgmental attitude about, you know, not being loved or whatever, you know, or, or he's not leading well or like or I'm not going to love him and I'm not going to respect him because he's not leading well. Because the Bible says you do it. Un, you, you do that unto the Lord, not unto what he deserves, which brings me to this, this next point. Let me just get to this. Husbands need unconditional respect and love. That's what verse 33 says right there. Husbands need, and, and if you don't believe me, if, you, if you're going to struggle with this, just circle the word unconditional because it needs to be unconditional. It's not based on conditions, and that's going to mess with some of y'all. But husbands need unconditional respect and love. And see, that, that, see and the next one, wives need unconditional love and respect. Many of you already know this. Many of you already know this. Knowing this is not the hard part. Doing it is the hard part. That's the hard part, doing it. And we'd all like to, you know, and it's not respecting and loving the spouse that you have. It's not respecting and loving just the spouse that's in the, the spouse that you have in the difficulties you have in the differences you face, the unique struggles that y'all face. Sometimes you feel like, well, how do I respect that? How do I love that? I've had people tell me in marriage counseling, Pastor John, you try to respect that. Pastor John, you try to love that. And I'm like, I'm not the standard. Jesus is. Shut him up every time. <laughs> and, and, and then and the other thing I says, I'm not in that marriage. And what I mean by that is I wasn't dumb enough to get in that marriage. <laughs> Y'all know some people I'm talking about. You know, but you want to glorify God. That's that's that's, you know ministry and stuff. And so the unconditional part, I want you to know that, that men need love, but they need to be respected. And the whole, the whole thing about this is if somehow you come to your husband and you go to him and you're like, honey, I don't know if I love you anymore. He's going to be like, <laughs> so? I mean, it's not gonna be, it, he's not going to be like, unless you have a drama queen husband. If you have a drama queen husband, what? You don't love me anymore? But most of the time it's going to be like, Okay, but if you come to him, I don't respect you anymore. It's going to cut him right to the core. Husbands, if you go to your wives, I don't know if I respect you. She's going to be like. <laughs> but if you say, I don't love you anymore, you just pierced her heart. So we need both, but you got to walk in this. And all of this is what the cement truck confirms and how the cement truck works and it's unconditional meaning I don't give you what you deserve now there has to be boundaries if you have a husband that's done blowing all your money on addiction stuff and whatever and just blowing, you have every right to stand up and to say hold up draw some boundaries ask questions you have every right to have conversations you just have to always do it with respect 
You always have to do it with respect. If you have a spouse that's running around with other people or, or blowing money or doing what, whatever it is, e either side, you always have to do what, have the conversation you need to have, but you always do it with love. Always do it with love. And so there's never a condition that justifies disrespect. No, see, your unloving behavior motivates her disrespect. Husbands, listen to me. I'm helping you out. Your unloving behavior. Now, don't be like the guy that said, what do you mean my unloving behavior? I told you I loved you on our wedding day. <laughs> you know, it's got to be like you got to love her in ways that's meaningful to her. In ways that's significant to her. Yeah, all the five love languages. How many of y'all know the five love languages? Okay, if you don't know the five love languages, raise your hand. Let me see it that way. Okay, so on, on the side of your sheet, we're going to, this, because this is one of the things I think everybody already knows. So on, uh, I don't know, you don't have a lot of room. Find somewhere you can write. I'm going to give you the simple five love languages in case it's just, you can just do one, two, three, four, five, somewhere on the page. Um, and these are not in a specific order, like one is better than another or anything like that. But the first one is words. Like put a positive sign, like a plus sign, like positive words. Words of affirmation is what it's called. But just to, for, to fit on your notes, a plus sign, words. Positive words, words of affirmation, loving words, life-giving words. Uh, another one would be touch, physical touch. Doesn't mean sex, just means touch. And if you touch right, leads to sex, but it doesn't mean sex, it means touch, okay? Um, the third one could be gifts, and it doesn't have to be a whole lot of money. It could just be, hey, you were thinking about me, just gifts. Uh, the fourth one is quality time, just QT, quality time, just or time. It's meaningful quality time. And the fifth one is, I've nicknamed it, just put, put done, and it means what have you done for me lately? It's works. You can put works, works of service. Um, it, and, and so what they say is everybody has uh, a primary and a secondary love language, and, and it's the way that you prefer to communicate and receive love. For example, Sarah and I. Uh, my love language, my first one is words of affirmation. That's why Sarah talks to me like I'm a puppy. Hey! Wag my butt every time. <laughs> love it. Okay. And I know what she's doing. She's working that stuff on me, and I know it, and it works. Okay? And then touch. So the, she brings it to the second level when she starts rubbing my arm or she'll rub my hair and stuff, and, and it's just like whatever. And next thing I know, she does that. Next thing I know, we have another dog in our house. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens. And... Um, and she, she loves, I mean, she, and she, she understands those and, and walks in those. Hers are words of affirmation and quality time. And I'm going to be honest with you. I stink at quality time. I stink at quality time. Sitting there doing nothing, I don't understand. It's hard. It's hard. So I have to be very intentional and have the Holy Spirit help me be a servant and do what's meaningful to my wife and, and have just quality time with her, not be distracted with, with, with work stuff, not be distracted with whatever, not be distracted by a game, not be distracted by, you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm there for her, even if we're doing nothing, you know, and that, that's tough. And so the thing about um, in love languages you know, you need to kind of understand what is your spouse's top two love languages and you do those first because what you do first matters most. So when you come home from a day at work, if your love language, if your wife's uh, like what Sarah and I do is we, we greet each other. Hey, how are you? How are you? Because we're, we're both words of affirmation. And then what she wants is sit down and just spend meaningful quality time. And what I want her to do is rub my head. And, and so you just recognize that kind of stuff, and it can shift and do certain things. So 
So what would help you is later on you go home, spend time with your wife, look at those five things and just ask or look, say, what's more important to you when I, you know, what's more, what, what fills your love tank more? What, what's more motivating for you? Words of affirmation. And here's, what, here's the best way to find out is think about what your, what your spouse complains about the most. That's the best way to find out. What do they complain about not getting from you the most? If it's always, you're never home. You're never here. It's quality time. If it's little sarcastic jokes about, you never buy me anything. Or something like that. Then, or money jokes, little sarcastic money jokes. You know, it has something to do with gifts. Um, sarcasm, if you flip it upside down... <laughs> Is a way to find out what somebody you know is really meaning, <laughs> and you know, if it's if it's they're always like, you know, you're never you know complaining about you don't ever get this done, and what about the sink, or what about this, or you do stuff for everybody else, you never do stuff here. Are you ever going to get that project done? If it's little reminders that come out as nagging, then 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 here's what you need to do. This is this is what you need to do instead of being mad that she's nagging or that he's. I don't know why I just said she's nagging because. Could be both, but if if the other person is complaining, instead of instead of hearing it like, "Gosh, why do you complain all the time?" Flip it. Oh, she's complaining. He's complaining. I must have not done something again. Flip it, and you won't be defensive. Flip it, and you can be like, "Babe, did I forget again?" Yes. Thank you so much for pointing that out. And then go do the thing. Because if not, you get defensive. She gets defensive. You start fighting. Next thing you know, you're done. And then you go for a week like that. And then caveman comes in. Hey, babe. Can, can we have sex tonight? And you're just like, are you kidding me? I'm telling you, it, it's... So you want to make sure that you walk in these things. So look at those five things. Think about yourself, uh, you know, which, which ones you think motivate you, and then talk with your spouse about it. Say, you know, figure out which one's which and say, okay, I'm going to intentionally love you and going to intentionally walk in this. And there's a lot more we could go into all this stuff, even on the respect side. We do a whole marriage advance here where we talk about those disc styles and we talk about respect the style and we walk through the love languages and talk about love the language. It's an amazing thing. We probably need to, we hadn't done one in a couple of years, probably need to do it again, but it's an amazing thing. So I, wanna, I want you to uh, focus on the unconditional part, though. The unconditional part is there is nothing that he can do that can cause you to not respect him. Now, you can draw boundaries. You can say no more of this, no more. You, you must draw boundaries, but you always do it respectfully. And there's nothing that she can do that will make you act in unloving ways to her. You must always do it in love and walk in love. So at the bottom of the page, um, four reasons couples begin to feel disconnected. I wanted to put some of these things so that on the backside I could kind of tie it all together. So four reasons couples begin to feel disconnected. Um, the first one is the romance has died. You've lost that love and feeling. <laughs> the romance has died. And it happens in every marriage. So don't think, don't think because you're, you're, oh my gosh, it's not like it was. Well, of course it's not like it was. We've been living together for a while now. Especially if you've got kids. They just ruin just about everything, don't they? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or dogs. <laughs> you know, I don't know how cats are, but uh, uh, so the romance has died. And, and so here's the question you need to ask yourself is what have I done lately to show my spouse that I love and appreciate them? You need to ask yourself not what has your spouse done. You need to ask yourself what have I done to communicate to communicate that I love, appreciate my spouse in a way that's meaningful to them. It's meaningful to them. Uh, so, and here's what I mean by that. Instead of sitting back, why has it, why has the romance left and, and starting to think and connect these dots? 
just bring it back. As much as it depends upon you, just be like, here we go. And just bring it back. Bring the romance back. Uh, the second one, I thought I could change them. So many couples enter into marriage and they, they overlook the, the different things. They're blind to the things. Um, they, they're blind to some of the, the differences that will be issues, but they don't think they'll be issues because they're in puppy love or they're in whatever, and they just think it'll change. Either they will change or I'll be able to change them or even God will change them. And then you end up getting into the marriage and you have this expectation of your spouse changing and then it comes to a certain amount of time where you're fed up because the change hadn't happened. It's actually gotten worse. And so what ends up happening then is you have these unfulfilled, unspoken expectations that then make you feel like somebody has failed you or offended you and then your, your spouse is like, what? I didn't, I didn't know you wanted me to change in that way. Like, I, what? You've been holding this this whole time? And so you got to talk through that. you got to walk through that. And it can, be really, it can be really scary going through some of those things. And I'm going to help you with how do you walk through some of that, but that's one of the things. And so here's the thing. You'll notice each other's differences. The more you live with each other, you'll notice the differences. You didn't notice the differences that much when you were dating because you weren't living together. But now that you're living together and you're married and all the stuff, you see all the nuances and the differences, and they stand out in the most peculiar and inappropriate ways or, or unpleasant un, uh, ways. And, and so you notice these differences, and then you take a negative perspective on them, and I want you to flip that over. I want you to flip that over, and if, if your spouse is always late, if your spouse is always late, instead of being angry about that, you know, you weren't angry about that when you were dating. You probably flirted about it, and you made provision for it. You covered him or her. That's what you need to do. You need to enjoy the differences about each other. Because here's the deal. Here, here's what I can be guilty of. This is what I, I'll just use me because y'all are perfect and I'll try to talk about me. There are certain things with Sarah that I, I would give you grace on, but I wouldn't give her grace on it. And my, my, my sinful approach and selfish approach is, Sarah, I don't say this because I'd get, it wouldn't be healthy. <laughs> but what I mean, what, I, what I'm saying without saying it is this. I've been, I've been patient with people all day. I've been listening and being merciful and giving people grace all day. And now I got to come home and do this. Now, I would never say it that way but that's what it feels like. And so I have to flip that. And if I got to flip it, you're going to have to flip it. I cannot give, I cannot give a greater grace to somebody outside my marriage. So here's what I tell couples when, I, when they come in and they talk to me and stuff. First of all, let me tell you this. Here's what I tell teenagers. Talk to me the way you talk to her. See what happens. There's been one person, one person in all these years that I said, I will lose my job and go to jail if you say one more thing. Now, he probably would have whooped me. <laughs> but it sounded bad in the moment. And he didn't do nothing. So that's like the crazy pastor scare. That <laughs> you was know, what that was. Uh, but I tell spouses, I said, how come you're talking to him so disrespectfully? You'd never talk to your pastor that way. And they just, and so my point is, or, you know, you, I, I, people be arguing, and I come walking up, they don't know I'm there. And it's like, hey, Pastor John. <laughs> hey, so when you say, I can't switch it, I can't say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. If your kids walk in the room, you know how you switch it on. Oh, hey, honey. Hey. So you can control it. You can control it. Okay. Um, so flip it over. And, and here's the thing. Remember what drew you together in the first place. Remember that. 
Uh, the third one, we don't talk anymore. We don't talk anymore. Now, if your spouse is nagging you about that, you don't ever talk to me. Or the way you get somebody to talk is not by nagging them. You're contributing to the problem. The way you get them to talk is in a safe environment, speaking their love languages, you, you ask them, hey, tell me about your day. And sometimes it'll be a process. The first, you know, you start doing it, hey, tell me about your day. <laughs> Next week, tell me about your day. You know, what a, you know two grunts. It, it might be a process, so don't get discouraged at, you know, don't despise small beginnings. Have hope and begin to just ask and say, well, I'd like to tell you about my day. And I promise. And if, and if you're like a talker and you know, just you, you just wear your spouse out, then put a time limit on it. Put a time limit on yourself. I have to do this with Sarah. I can see the look go on Sarah's face when she's like, I'm done. I'm done, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 well, it's, yeah, it's the eyes gloss over and it's kind of just like, I'm done. And, and so, and I have to just catch myself and just stop and just be like, okay. And, and so what you just, you just, you can tell your spouse, hey, can I tell you about my day? And I promise it'll only be 60 seconds, put a timer on or two minutes, whatever. And, and just at least give them the mercy and grace you'd give, you'd give somebody else and walk through that. Uh, so, and take time, take time, uh, and the next one, and I'm going to tie these two together. The next one is we never see each other. We never see each other. Your schedules, you're, you're just two ships passing in the night. You never have meaningful time together. You never have time together. It's always running here, doing this. Got to take the kids here, kids here, kids here. I'm telling you, I've never seen kids do so much stuff. And I'm, one of the best things you could do, two, two things that if you would do these two things, I think it would help you out for, for it tremendously, tremendously is either get off face get off social media for 3 months or limit your social media to like only work related or or like relative related like how are you like 10 15 minutes a day or every other day do that and then let your kids do one activity we're not doing more than one activity you got to pick cheerleading or baseball But, but they might have a fit. Yes, they're going to have a fit. It's better they have a fit than your family falls apart because you're doing too much stuff. Okay? Don't let the kids run the house. Be a parent and, 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 and lead. And so when you say, you know, we don't see each other anymore, we don't talk anymore, you put these two things together, you need to sit down and you need to ask your, your and it's three things I'm going to give you that help you out is you need to ask your spouse in meaningful, sincere, focused times. Here's what you need to know, and here's what you need to ask. You need to ask, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And what do you need from me? Now, you don't just ask them right back to back, like, okay, Pastor John said i got to start being a better husband. Okay, so, babe, here's the three questions. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you need from me? You don't ask it that way. You sit down and say, babe, I, you know, Maybe, hey, what are you thinking about, you know, this? You know, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on us? What are your thoughts on our job? What are your thoughts in this season? What, what, just, what have you been thinking? And, and be patient. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Not, I've really not been. I don't know. Okay, well, whenever, you know, don't be like, whenever you got a clue, let me know. <laughs> be like, well, when you're ready, I'd love to know. Here's a couple of my thoughts. And sometimes it just stays at the thought level. And the other is just like, well, what are you feeling? And don't push it for them to talk about it. You know, but you want to be in a conversation that builds relationship because I'm telling you, this is all about this is all about leading to sex. So what are you feel what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And and about about whatever, about that place we went to last night or the dinner last night or or this coworker or whatever. You just engage in conversation about what are you thinking, what are you feeling, and at the and even if listen, don't punish them for their feelings. Their feelings may be inaccurate. Don't judge, don't judge their feelings. You can call them out on their behavior. 
You can say when you, you can call them out on what they said or what they did, but you can't say, why do you feel that way? That's wrong. That's not fair. You have feelings you don't act upon. And so you cannot judge them. Well, that's just wrong. Why would you feel that way? You're, you're not building trust. You need, what are you thinking? And I want to understand what you're thinking. What are you feeling? I want to understand what you're feeling. I want to try to put myself in your shoes and understand why it, like, like how you feel that way. Like if I was you, what would that feel like? And then what do you need from me is where you get to get appropriate, accurate, healthy behavior. Because there might be something, well, I need you to do this. And it's like, well, I, I can't do that because that's sin. I, I, can't, I, can't, I, I can't do that. But I can do this. And, and so you walk through that. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you need? And be willing to meet those needs. It's all about needs met. When you meet needs in a healthy way, when you meet needs in a healthy way, you build trust. When you build trust, you're building a better sex life. All right. So the next side of the page, the scripture we read a few weeks ago, I won't spend much time on that. It's Hebrews 13.4. Marriage should be uh, honored by all and the marriage bed. Circle the marriage bed. The, word, the two words, marriage bed. The marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. We talked about that a few weeks ago. You can go back and listen to it. So um, adultery has no place in the marriage bed. Sexual immorality has no place in the marriage bed. I've heard preachers teach on this verse and actually say the marriage bed is undefilable. That's not what it says. It says the marriage bed is undefiled. So you can defile the marriage bed. You can dishonor the marriage bed. Well, how do you do that? Have an adulterous mindset. Be thinking about somebody else when you're with your spouse. Uh, be with somebody else and then be with your spouse. You can, you can contaminate and defile the marriage bed. And, and so what you want to be able to do is honor it. The whole thing is I want to honor the marriage bed. You want to honor the marriage bank account. You want to honor the marriage behaviors. You want to honor the marriage bed. The marriage bed is part of the marriage. It's not just the bed where men and women have sex. It's the marriage relationship bed. It's the covenant marriage bed. It's the bed where the marriage is built. So it's not about the bed, it's about the marriage. It's not about the sex, it's about the marriage. And you honor the marriage in bed. Okay? Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second after we read the scripture. 1 Corinthians 7. We honor the marriage bed. 1 Corinthians 7, we've read a little bit of this, but I just want to remind us of this before I say the next couple things. 1 Corinthians 7, starting at verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, and guys, remember that word, and guys and girls, that word is for, is for any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage covenant. Let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise uh, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, uh, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And this conversation is radical in Paul's day. Do not deprive one another without do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, not for a lifetime, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So the kind of joke is like, babe, are we fasting and praying? 
And she's like, no. Okay, just checking. <laughs> that way she can't use that biblical excuse. Okay, then. <laughs> Anyways. That's a preacher joke. Preachers would laugh at that. Uh, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Uh, and notice in that it's, it's consent. Uh, but I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, uh, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to you, I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them uh, if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Because notice he's connecting the passion back up to say you got to control that in the marriage, rendering one, your authority is not over your own body, but it's over your, your spouse's like you're serving one another because this passion that burns, if, it's not, if there's not a agreement, if there's not agreement about serving one another in this leadership and this fellowship and this partnership, if there's not agreement in these passions of joining together, then, then what can happen is we can open up the door for Satan to come in and work stuff. And, and I wanted you to see that uh, because of the next couple of things we're going to go into. So consent. So one question I just thought I'd pose to you is how often should you have sex? Somebody, somebody I want to know some numbers. How, how often should you have sex? What do you think? Couple couple times a week, twice a week, what's once a month? Okay, twice a day. Amy got twice a day. <laughs> Just trying to see what level of faith you're at. Just trying to see, you know, it's a faith center. You know, it's whatever you and your spouse want. It's whatever you need to talk to your spouse about it. You don't need to not you don't need to be scared because of past experiences or no experience or whatever. You need to talk, say, hey, can can we I want to know what you're thinking and what you're feeling and eventually what you need in our sex life. Because I want to make you happy. I want to be a blessing to you. I am blessed to be a blessing. I'm for real taking on, you know, it's, it's servant-minded sex. It's not sex to be served. It's servant-minded sex. It's not sex to control. It's not sex to manipulate. It's not sex to do. It's sex to build the marriage. And I'm coming to this marriage bed, and I want to know what are you thinking, what are you feeling, and what do you need because this should be pleasurable. This should be pleasurable. But there's a greater purpose than the pleasure. It's I'm here to serve you. In the most intimate way possible. I'm here to. I'm, I'm here to. And, and, and guys within that marriage you say. Well what kind of activities. What kind of things can you do. Is this off limit or is that off limit. I'm not going into all that stuff tonight. But. But one of the main things is, if it's okay with, with y'all, as long as it's not sexual morality or adultery. So anybody saying, well, we need a three, we need a third person coming here. No, you have just defiled the marriage bed. <laughs> yeah, you, that, you, that's, that's adultery and sexual morality. You know, if you if you say, well, let's use pornography, let's watch other people in pornography to stir up our thing. Guys, that's going to stir up sexual morality. And so for women who feel insecure or whatever, because or, I don't know many guys, many, you know, guys could have like the biggest gut or whatever and be like, I am the man. <laughs> you know, they don't even care. You know, guys just don't care. Uh, but women turn the lights down. Whatever. And husbands, don't you ever make jokes or sarcastic stuff about your spouse. You may, you may, you may, you know, have joked around with guys or whatever. Don't you ever say that stuff. Because it ain't funny. And for you to, 
to, to be there, you know, and just have consent, talk to her about it. So for men, sex is physical and then emotional. It's physical and then emotional. Men are sight-oriented. Women, that's why your man wants to see you. He wants to see you. And you may say, you may feel like, oh, I'm overweight or I'm this or I'm that. And the man's like, no, girl, no, you ain't. The man wants to see you. It, it, you know, I get it. You may not want to see him. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but he, you know, he's physical. Touch is involved. It's physical. So, you know, men can go to you know, zero to I'm ready in like two seconds. Men are microwaves. Women are crockpots. For men, for men, sex starts with, sex starts with, you know, just, just, just like, just like that. It's just like that. For women, it starts early in the morning. You know, how you treat them all day long, how you, because for women, and I'm going to come back to that next point, but down there for women, sex is emotional than physical. And that's a problem for men because they can't, a lot of men can't deal with emotion. They just want sex. That's why pornography is so appealing. There's no emotion. And so that's why it trains you in, into how to have sex but not make love. And so uh, you need to know how to talk to a woman. You need to know how to talk to your wife, not just talk to a woman. I, I stand correct. You don't need to know how to talk to a woman. You need to know how to talk to your wife. You need to know how to listen to her. You need to know how to speak to her. You need to know how to touch her in ways. And, and, and women, you got to give. Listen, if you ask a man, if you were to ask a man, what's the most um, terrifying and, and most, you know, uh, terrifying creature to him on planet Earth? He would say woman. I don't understand them. I don't figure them out. I don't, I don't know. And, you know, am I going to get a, a, a purr or a how? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Guys, we get each other. We can, we can tell. We can tell, like, you know, somebody's got an attitude or somebody's got a problem. Women, we, we're just like, we don't know what's going on with you. Okay? So it's a little bit like whatever. But you women, you know what's going on with each other. And you think your man knows what's going on with you because you know what's going on with other women. And just because you know what's going on with other women doesn't mean the man knows what's going on with you. It, it's like, yeah, it's like Jesus. And so what ends up happening, your girlfriend gets you. Your, your friend gets you, understands. And it's like, well, I don't understand why he doesn't understand because he's a man. He's a man. So what you need to do is talk, very, draw pictures if you have to. Talk very simple. Tell him, I like this, I don't like that. Husbands, tell your wives, hey, I like this, I don't like that. Sexually, talk about that kind of stuff. You know, uh, but make it personal. Make it, make it like, you know, remember when, remember when you've, you did that and, and we had that experience? Oh, that's just, number one, it felt so good and, and I just, it just connected us. I'm serious. Have those kind of conversations in marriage. If you're here and you've been living with your boo and living with whatever, but you ain't married, I'm not talking to you because you're playing house without the commitment. So I'm not talking to you. And if you are living with a guy or, or your, your boyfriend, whatever, and they're coming to you and they're saying they're trying to bring you into having sex and they're talking like a husband, but you have not, you have not been married yet, don't let him use the responsibility and like the privileges of being a husband. Don't let him have that without being a husband. Because if you give that stuff to him without him giving what you deserve and what you... what what to show you your worth and your value, then you're giving, him, you're giving him an A and he doesn't even have to go to class. You're giving him a paycheck and he doesn't even have to go to work. You are worth being sought after. And so underneath that, 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 uh, that top part there, a husband's top needs, and then we'll kind of wind up, uh, is first of all, he needs to be needed. You need to ask him. And just for things around the house, whatever, hey, you know, I can't, I can't reach that. And, and don't, don't belittle him, you know, but it's like, hey, I, 
husband, a man wants to take care and wants to do things for, for his wife. Um, and so don't ever belittle him. You know, I joke a lot about not being skillful, like in carpentry and all that kind of stuff. And there's some evidence to that. But in reality, <laughs> like upside down crown molding, but it's still hanging. And the reality, the reality is Sarah has always been an encouragement to me about that. Of you can do that. Now, there are times that she will leave the house if I'm working on stuff because I can get very frustrated. Uh, and, but she's always been an encouragement to me. And when she does that, and she walks in that bathroom, you know what she says? This is the best bathroom. You saved us so much money, honey. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. But, and it makes, you know, it almost makes me want to do more. <laughs> so you celebrate. You celebrate those things. He wants to be needed. He wants to be needed. And men, when your spouse asks you to do something and you have a chance to meet a need, don't you dare go to somebody at work, especially some girl, and go meet a need for her that you're not willing to do for your wife. Go the extra mile for her, but you're not going the extra mile for your wife. The second one is he wants to be wanted. And I put that as a blank to fill in. He wants to be wanted because a lot of women don't understand that. Men want to be wanted. Men want to be pursued. So what that means sexually, you need to be women, wives, you need to be an enthusiastic sexual partner. Men do not want to go to bed with a mannequin. They don't. You need to be an enthusiastic partner. You, you, need, to, you need to be there. And, and I'm not talking about like a cheerleader, like, ah, but you need to, <laughs> you know, you need to be like, I want you. I want you. Because here's what happens. Women, you let your insecurities, because you compare yourself to other women, and this little thing you got going on with other women of comparing yourself, and you don't think your, your insecurities are speaking to you. You don't realize how, I know for you, it's not about, you're, you're not saying I don't want my husband, but your, your, your mannerisms are saying you don't want your husband. Your husband's sitting there thinking, what, what did I do? And it's, he didn't do anything. It's, it's you're insecure about yourself. And he's like, babe, I love you. And you don't believe what he says. And, and I want you, but you don't believe it. So you reject him. And then he feels rejected. And then you wonder why he doesn't pursue you anymore because you haven't pursued, pursued him. The best thing you could do is women in, in, the, in, in the bedroom, you're the game changer. You're the game changer. A man could be doing whatever. He could be doing whatever, whatever. And you walk in the room with a little, hey, hey. I don't care what he's doing. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, here we go. And he's not doing it because he loves sex. He's doing it because he loves you. And it would be terrifying for a man. To go in and do like curls and stuff. And you're in there cleaning the house and, and the woman's cleaning the house or doing something. I don't know. And you come in. Hey. <laughs> You'd be like, could you take out the trash for me, please? <laughs> could you do whatever? And she, you know, the man would be so rejected. It'd be like, okay, you know, and, and go. So you have such power. You have such power. And then, and then men, when sex is done, you need to like love on your wife and hold your wife and love her because it's emotional. And you need to talk to her. Tell her how much you love her. Tell her how much you love her. Spend time with her after sex. And, and it, really, it really helps. And then the other thing is men like to be sexually fulfilled. Um, and that's kind of like being that enthusiastic sexual partner because it's not just that he wants sex, he wants you. And there's that connection and that fulfillment that, that you can have connecting if you, if you have this thing of, you know, I want you. And if you're single, if you're single and you think, well, I'm, I'm having sex and I'm trying to apply this to my sex life, stop it. You, don't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have a sex life. 
And you think, well, that's not fair, Pastor John. That's not real. That's not reality. No, that's not your reality. And I get it because before I was married, that wasn't in, in my early days, that was not my reality. But if you want God's reality to have what's best for your life, I'm not judging you. I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying it passionately, but I'm not angry. If you want God's best, you've got to do it his way. He's the one that's created sex. And he wants to prepare your heart to seek after and grow after and go after uh, to prepare yourself to be the best bride you can be to whoever God brings in your life to be a husband. And he's preparing the husband to be the best husband for you. And if you're in, in a relationship with somebody and you're, you're, you're already there and you're past the point, you need to say, listen, I do love you. I could see us together in that capacity, so we're going to stop. We're going to stop. And if, they, and if they say, if they have a wig out, then they're in the relationship for sex, not for you. And you need to let that joker go. And so for women, the women's top needs is Affection. She needs affection. A woman is always asking in her heart, does he really love me? A woman is always asking in her heart, does he really love me? Always. And so you need to give the affection, the appreciation, the affirmation to give that stuff to her. You need to have open and honest communication. That means you need to actually talk to her, ask her questions. And like I said earlier, women, the, the, the worst thing you can do is, is be negative or, or your tone. Men are very sensitive to tone. And if your tone is very negative and nagging, you, you, it's not, you just need to stop. You can have a serious tone without having a negative tone. And the worst tone at all, at all is an ac accusatory tone. And so what you need to do, if you feel yourself being starting to get frustrated and starting to get angry, what you need to, what you say first matters most. You go to him, you you if if like if it was Sarah, she'd come to me and she would rub me <laughs> and she would like a chia pet, whatever, she'd rub me and she would say, she would say, I love you so much, but there's something I need to talk to you about. And I'm like, okay, and then she would begin to say it. She would she would preface it with, I love you, and I, but I, I need to talk to you about something. And I need you to listen to me. And I'm like, okay. Because she's taking the time. She doesn't just come out and start slapping me around. You know? Because then I'm getting defensive. <laughs> and so honest and open communication. And the last one is commitment to family. That you need to prioritize family. So, um, and whatever the family is. And I was joking around about dogs. But even if it's if dogs and cats are part of your family, you need to for, for the woman, her home is her nest. It's her and the family. You need to prioritize her family, prioritize her family. OK, so that's enough for tonight. I've gone long enough. Um, uh, I'll hang out for a few minutes if anybody has any questions. But the main thing I want you to take is if for husband and wife is for you to actually go and, and actually honor the marriage bed by having some conversation and talking about it. Actually, even as awkward as it would be, say, say let's talk about sex. And, and, and wh what do you like? What do you not like? And plan it out. Guys, plan, plan, plan it out. I, I got this week, you got next week. Plan it out for real. You, it, it sounds cheesy and silly, but when you begin to say, this is meaningful to me, and this time, talk about it, and, and, and you know, and, 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 and then if you're not married, but you're moving towards marriage, then stop having sex and start talking about it. And like, what, what, what do you want? You know, one of the worst things that can happen for virgins who are coming to their, just in, just in case one of them is listening, let me just say this. You're coming to your wedding night and you're a virgin and no one's taught you anything and, and you can set yourself up for so much failure if you don't have some conversations with your, with your engaged, with your, um, what do you call, uh, fiance, thank you. If you don't have conversations, like, hey, what, 
what are some things that, you know, have some conversations. What are your expectations? What would you like? You know, because the man, he just wants to come out the bathroom, hey, what's up? You know, and just come out and just be like, hey, whatever. And the woman, that could be terrifying. Maybe maybe it's you want to sit down and like talk for a little bit. Maybe it's whatever. Have some conversation about it. Even in your marriage, maybe you you came together and your sexual experience is, is like it was it was unfulfilling. And maybe you just need to talk about it. Just be bold and talk about it. All right, praise the Lord. So, Father, I pray over every married couple in this room that you would help them be bold and courageous and have conversations. Help them that their marriage bed would be honorable and they would be connected. Connect that the relationship would grow and be built. And everyone who is single um, and headed towards marriage, Father, I pray that you help build in them the healthy, godly appetites and wisdom and skill of how to build a godly marriage and have great sex. I thank you, Lord, that you keep them away from the world and away from the world's system and the world's way of operating and that they would yield themselves to you and that your fulfillment and your joy would just be be so heavenly satisfying. And so I pray that you would give mercy and grace to every person and give wisdom And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.